The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> This is a homance, the chronicles of homance. <laughs> we got one fucking week, one week. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's Sarah, and I'm this, Nicole, and this is the homance chronicles. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. We've only been doing this intro for six years. <laughs> it's cool. It's totally fine. Every single fucking time. Anyway, happy post Thanksgiving, y'all. I'm pretty sure I gained at least 10 pounds, if I'm going to be honest. This I, was didn't, the year. I did not overeat, but I did. I did make some killer brownies. Ooh, mm-hmm. let's hear it. Um, They were gluten-free, used of the course. King Arthur's, of course. and um, super chocolatey, fudgy. I put white chocolate chips in the brownie batter mix, and then on top, I put marshmallow, caramel, and regular chocolate chips. Oh, God. They were like a rocky road. Yeah. Sands nuts. That sounds delightful. <laughs> sounds it was like very a, good. Like a Milky I, Way or in a, yeah, it sounds like a Milky Way as opposed to a Snickers. Of. That's where I'm at with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was having a moment of bliss as I was enjoying said brownies. <laughs> and I looked at my brother and I did like the little food dance, you know, like mm, little food mm-hmm. dance. And then my timer went off on my phone for my mom to take the pie out of the oven. Oh, God. And it's like was sheer bliss interruption. Jarring. So much so that the lookers on could not stop laughing. Like it was <laughs> quite the moment. And I was like, well, you know, we call those bells of truth. <laughs> That's actually pretty right funny. back to reality. <laughs> Just kidding. You know about all the uh, after effects of that one, right? <laughs> enjoy, really, truly. Just enjoy it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so glad to hear it. My uh, my debut for Thanksgiving food cooking was deviled eggs. And mm, they were that's my hit. mom's classic. She does deviled eggs for like every holiday. Yeah, well, because it's easy as fuck, it turns out. The hardest part is knowing how to make a boiled egg, which I am an expert at. If you want to know my trade secrets, you can let me know and I'll tell you. I'm not just going to go ahead and put them out in the air all willy-nilly like that, though. <laughs> well, the peeling is the part that yeah. I always jack up. I never have that problem. I have a technique that works perfectly anyway i also did um ghost pepper roulette you know because i had ghost peppers in my garden this past summer so i Mm. took one of my leftover pet boys and i chopped her up and then i put her in you know the yolk mixture after i did all the regular eggs and (laughs) everybody was afraid to try any of them and i was like fine 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 it's these four evan seth you take them But no one's that, being fun. No yeah. one's letting me watch them sweat. Bitches. So <laughs> bunch of bitches. So uh yeah, that was that was that. And then they disappeared immediately, which made me happy. So I feel like all in all, it was a successful triumph. Well, that's good. Yeah. I made um I should have saved this for my Attagirl. Uh you there's I still have, time. <laughs> I have lots of Attagirls though. Um I made uh gluten-free cornbread. 
and I did two batches and I took one of the batches to the nurses at my grandma's inpatient rehab facility. Did they love it? Um, they didn't really react much, so I don't know. I hope they did eventually enjoy it. You know, yeah. I mean, I just like went in their kitchen or whatever. But at one point, I was like, like I asked them, I'm like, "Are you allowed to take food?" Because no one was reacting really. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, because they're all so fucking busy and pissed they have to be there with those people, I'm sure. Or they're just all sad because of the lack of visitors. Yeah, there's all kinds of one. I don't know. But I was like, can you guys take food? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, well, well, here you 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 go. Here's my happy Thanksgiving. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) That's actually pretty damn funny. So anyway, yeah, I did... um, uh, cornbread, brownies, and stuffing. Because, you know, if I want to have any kind Maybe. of gluten-free indulgences, I make them myself. Yep. Yep, I understand that. I get it. Yeah. Mm. I was thankful this year. I didn't get any uh, stuffing, which is fine. It is what it is. But as always, my aunt pulls through on the de- delightful desserts, and she makes me little gluten-free pies. Like literally Aww. little ones, like little personal yeah. sized ones. Yeah. And then, pies. and then like some are even the size of like a cup holder. They're that many. They're literally like three mm-hmm. bites and I love it so much. And so she made me um four varieties of that. Oh, that's amazing. I love agree. that. I know I'm going to smash the last piece tonight. Booyah. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> anyway, we're here. We decorated. Lights are up. Heat is on. The fucking snow is snowing and the wind is winding. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The icy tundra that is Michigan in December. Hello. (laughs) It's not technically December yet, but close enough. Yeah, right. Uh, It's fucking close enough. We do kind of get a warm up here and there. I would say the deep throes of winter are more like late January, but yeah we'll see we'll see what all la nina or el nino <laughs> whoever's in rotation this year <laughs> you're just saying children just <laughs> no i know you're saying hurricanes but you chose names <laughs> that are spanish for kids <laughs> right because, I mean, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm pretty sure El Nino is, like, it's Spanish for the Nino. For it's a baby. Something. It's No, it's a, it's a winter. <laughs> no, I'm it's... I'm doing this right now. Okay. In Spanish. El Nino and La Nina are climate patterns in the Pacific Ocean that affect weather worldwide. Then Just... what is it? It's Spanish for child. <laughs> bambino that's italian that's italian <laughs> all i know is that i was accurate <laughs> i was like i should know this because my sister is in fact yeah. a meteorologist kid in spanish feminine is nina and masculine is nino yep yep however <laughs> in this context i'm talking about <laughs> the weather <laughs> Carrying on. (laughs) 
we sound like the biggest idiots <laughs> because we're like, wait, what's how do you say the most basic things in another language? That's cool. <laughs> I know what Ola is, and that's all that matters. And Daniel. <laughs> really, I think that Banyo is probably the more important one. Yeah, thankfully I've got that in like three languages. Toilet is usually what I scream at people, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of toilets. Oh. And why they're so fancy. That's because the French calls them toilettes. Speaking of the French, let's get into this whole of history. Wow. Oh, that wow. was that was the journey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm proud of me. You know, I kept it together. I went through my whole plan. I don't know if it landed, but it worked for me. So here we are. You saw it through. I was sitting on the edge of my seat. (laughs) Are you ever sitting on the edge of your seat when I'm trying to manage through something? Or are you just waiting? Uh, That is that is an interesting clarification. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're ever anticipating anything to be like that. Usually you're just <laughs> anticipating. <laughs> like, can you be whelmed ever? <laughs> okay. Are you ready? I'm ready? oftentimes under and overwhelmed. I would say <laughs> finding static whelmed is not common. <laughs> I still don't know the answer to this question, even after 10 things I hate about you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So the reason I went down the French path is because my hoe of history this week, um, supposedly disrespected the French. What does that mean? Let's get into it. So she was born Margarita Yertrudia Zell in Lee Warden, Netherlands. But we're going to call her Mata Hari from this point forward. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you mind putting your screen down a little bit so you don't have that light shining? Oh, yeah. To your camera. (laughs) I can't see myself anymore. So thank you for that. All right. She was the eldest of four children. Her three other siblings were actually younger brothers. So before we jump into her later years in life, I'm going to just claim she was very much straight Dutch from the Netherlands. Her family was Dutch tied to the Netherlands. So later on, you'll understand why I'm saying this. When she was younger, her dad actually was good with money. He made some sound investments. He did own a hat shop and he was a haberdasherer, which was a male tailor of sorts. Um, but yet he also invested his money in oil, in the oil industry. So throughout her upbringing, until she was about 13, they were, you know, had whatever they wanted. They lived lavishly, if you will. She even went to a private school. But when she was around 13 years old, my guy went bankrupt in 1889. Oh, man. So it didn't discriminate regions. These men, through and through, eventually fall short of being what they're supposed to be as a provider. <laughs> After his bankruptcy in... Ooh, what were you going to say? Oh, no. I just... 
I'm like, I feel like we were on a stretch there for a little bit where we had like a couple of them, you know, maybe not even a full handful, but we had a few where they were like, oh, the father was there and he cared about our education and didn't leave his family stranded. But still, majority is they were (laughs) not smart with their money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. So there's that. Um, so after he went bankrupt, the parents, they just divorced. And so in, I think it was 89 or 90, the parents' parents' divorce was final. And then, unfortunately, in 91, Mama passed away about a year later. Wow. So sad. So who knows? Maybe she was sick. I didn't really dive into the parents. Uh, However, uh, when she passed away, about a year and some change after that, the dad remarried a lady called Susanna Catherine Ten Hove in Amsterdam. And that's like really when the family just completely fell to shambles. I'm not going to update anybody or anybody or any of her brothers or parents after this. This is basically it. So she was actually sent to live with her godfather in Sneak. His name was Mr. Visser. Um, she was studying to be a kindergartner teacher at at the school they had there Leiden I think in Leiden is what it's called and um she was probably like 17 or 18 the headmaster was definitely into her and flirting heavily so the godfather yanked her the fuck out of there and said absolutely not you're not gonna be fraternizing with this and she said all right fuck you and bailed ran away to her uncles in the Hague which is in the Netherlands (laughs) wow strong start (laughs) (laughs) of course i'm paraphrasing i don't know if she said these things as you all know well (laughs) i mean it's an interesting choice you have a man who's trying to protect you from basically a predator yeah and she said fuck you to both of them right and bailed so yeah that's why i'm like it's it's a strong choice you have somebody who cares about you obviously yeah but she must have not interpreted it that way well her father and his lack of ability to be the father. Who knows what their lavish childhood included, right? They may or may not have been well taken care of. Um, all right. She's in The Hague. She's in Netherlands. The Hague is a like the capital. I looked it up. And at 18 years old, she was reading the newspaper and she found an ad that was placed by a Dutch colonial army captain called Rudolf MacLeod. He is from Scottish origin right off the rip and his family um kind of had some affluence going they had a little bit of cash uh (laughs) but he was absolutely in the dutch army um and it was at that time that he was in living what is now indonesia back then it was called the dutch east indies so you know the Mm. the white people taking over and all that fun stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) um so she answered this ad that he had placed seeking a wife and by July 11th, 1895, they wed. This allowed her to basically reestablish her financial footing because he was, of course, of Dutch upper class. Um, by May of 97, so two years, she had been living with him in the Dutch East Indies. I would she... just like to point out while you're taking that breath mm-hmm. that... <laughs> This is like the birth of um, 
of like Craigslist and then oh, yeah. moved into <laughs> current day dating apps. Like we're talking about the 1800s and mm-hmm. he's put an ad in a newspaper and he's an affluent man yeah. trying to find somebody like this has been going on for so long. 1890s. Yeah. So insane to think that she was like, yes, sure. I will be your wife. <laughs> <laughs> she took uh, so by May by May. 1897, she and her hubs hopped on the SS Princess Amalia, and they went to Milan, which was on the west side of the island of Java. So there's a whole culture there. They had two children, Norman John McLeod and Louise Janine McLeod. And it starts. Mm. Cut scene. So I write. <laughs> <laughs> But everything seemed like it was going okay. Right? Seems totally, totally normal to answer a fucking stranger's ad in the newspaper. But after that, it was going okay, seemingly. Yeah, she had she had a bunch of cash and you know a different place to live. So there's kids. Two of them. That's what she wanted. Maybe. Oh. (laughs) He was a huge piece of shit. (laughs) Oh. Turns out he beat her up. He drank too much and had himself a little concubine, a.k.a. a bevy of mistresses comprised of local help, essentially. A concubine was very common back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was like it brothels was, and stuff. Yeah. And it was gross, to say the least. But it was common. It was what people mm-hmm. did. Um. Oh, yeah. He gave her syphilis, too. So that's neat. It's a fun Fucking little... Trash. wedding present he's trash <laughs> so at one point she was like you know what fuck this guy fuck you i'm done i've had enough and she bailed on him again for like a period of time so while she was out of this environment i don't know what happened with her children she moved in with another dutch officer called van reeds while with him i'm not sure what the relationship was she actually ended up really immersing herself in the Indonesian culture. And it was very intense. She even joined a local dance company. So while she was there at that time, she wrote to her family that she was still, in, uh, who was still in the Netherlands, um, that she was going through all of this and she was discovering herself and they provided her like her artistic stage name, Matahari which literally translates to eye of the day. Uh, they ca- they said it's the word for sun literally translating to eye of the day. So she was given this name by the folks in her local dam- dance company. Eventually, he convinced her to move home, saying he would change, but we all know they don't, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so by 1899, both of their children felt fell violently ill a lot of different reasons as to why people think this happened i'm like rumors or reasons well there's i'm sorry rumors or reasons there's there's you know a bunch of conjuncture of what actually happened so Mm -hmm. some say that it was due in part from them having syphilis from the dad passing it on through everybody fucking piece of shit others believe the family's claims of an angry servant poisoning them some also consider the fact that they had mercury poisoning 
from the treatment for syphilis. Regardless, the son passed away that at that time. They were so how with, how old was he? Do you know? Um, from when he was born, he was like two. Oh, sadly. Yeah. Oh, I thought more time had gone on. She had earned a name in the dance troupe and moved in with another guy. And all I'm like thinking the son's 10 now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, she uh, she popped that child out. And I think, you know, maybe bailed for a minute. But how? She, she had to nurse him anyway. I get into these details. No, I know. I'm like, I understand completely because it took me a minute to get out, out of there. I was like, wait, the timeline isn't timing lining. But here we are. She, so she was <laughs> potentially, you know, he had he had his servants at the time. Who knows if she actually right. took care of them or not? Right. 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 So unfortunately, I forgot they had had some money, money, so they probably had help. Yeah. So unfortunately, their son passed away. He was only two. The daughter was only about a year old. But she made it. Um, in around 1902, they had moved back to the Netherlands together, but they split. And by 1906, she was able to actually take custody of Janine. Like the courts ruled in her favor finally, and she took her child and left. So even though dad was required to pay child support, he didn't. He wasn't having it. And when oh, fuck this guy, I know it gets worse. When she went to visit one day, he just didn't let her return. So he kidnapped her. However, because of the laws, because of where they were, and Mata had no money, she just had to accept the fact that her ex-husband took her daughter. And he was a shitty person. But she believed he was a good dad. I don't know what happened, but she actually did unfortunately end up passing away but not until she was 21 so it didn't happen immediately and there's no more real story about what happened with her and dad that i was that i got into um but you know they did say that she did later later pass due to complications from syphilis so eventually it got her mm. um in 1903 because of all this she decides to just go for it so she moves to paris she started off entertaining as a circus horse rider and an artist's model. She went by the name Lady McLeod, which really actually pissed his family off because of the, like, you know, uh, lack of, um, what is it, ability. What They just didn't like the fact that she was dabbling in all this bullshit. It wasn't what money did. You know what I mean? Right. It was a poor reflection on the family. Yeah. And it, put, it tarnished their reputation. There it is. The reputation. She didn't That's, give a fuck. Is that what you're going for? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, was I waiting or sitting on the edge of my seat? We'll Not, never know. Never. Because <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> I was like, she'll get it. She'll, nope, she's, nope not. she's not. I'll just, no. I'll fill in. I'll abort, fill in. Abort waiting. <laughs> Assist. So, yeah. She decided at this point that she... She was going to do whatever the fuck she wanted. And then she just started becoming, like, eventually became an erotic dancer. A very prominent erotic dancer. It only took her a year. Part of it is because she literally was just free-willed. She, she probably, from her dance training in Indonesia, 
became less worried about her naked body and like appreciated it more and that yeah she became less inhibited (laughs) yeah and that probably translated into her you know her just her personality in general Mm -hmm. um in 1904 literally it only took her a year to become the prominent exotic dancer of the day in paris she was even considered to be part of the early modern dance movement that was like noted as infusion noted for infusing different cultures into one of course i'm very high level glossing this over the movement is very well known and um it hers specifically was looking into like asian and egyptian inspiration so you know the 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 dance of the day was starting to become influenced by other religious and just cultures in general so she kind of led that in a way in paris she ended up getting a booking agent at the time too so like she's an exotic dancer she's got a manager and a book or like booking agent she's really going for it um march 13 1905 she debuted her act at the musee gumut gumut whatever she was promiscuous flirtatious and openly flaunted her body I have to imagine she was a bit of the, of stuff a sight for the men's, I said. <laughs> During her first show there, she captured the attention of the founder of the musee, Emile Atene Gumet. Gumet? Whatever. He was a millionaire industrialist, and they became, like, intertwined at that point, and she became his longtime mistress. Oh, they had an entanglement. Mm-hmm. So I was just doing a quick little Google because this is all giving me Moulin Rouge vibes. Oh, yeah, for sure. And when you say, well, when you say exotic dancer, I'm like, does that really mean burlesque for that time? You know, like I'm trying to like. Yeah. And so I looked up when. So the movie Moulin Rouge that we're all familiar with um, it, the setting of it is Paris 1899. Yes. So, so right in the pre- same. Well, no, you said she it was 19. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yep. So, yeah. So like that was the image that was coming to my mind. I'm like, this is like Lady Marmalade. Like, yes. Yes. OK. Yep, this is definitely that era. And because she had. um, What is it called? She she had a. What did I say? She said, I said, uh, the beauty of this, this era that we're talking about, everybody's origin stories could be totally made up because nobody could really do any fact checking. Right. Mm. So she invented this super colorful story about how she was a Javanese princess of priestly Hindu birth and claimed to be, have, have been immersed in the art of sacred Indian dancing since birth. During this time, nude, mostly nude photos were captured of her and actually made their way back to her ex further proving his case that she was an unfit mother so it didn't help her but it did at the same time like she didn't get to sing her kids but she also got to make money so she was seen as a very significant is very significant in this arena at the time because of one of her segments that she had in her dance where she would actually remove layers of clothing burlesque style mm-hmm. so she was in a simple breastplate that was jeweled up and with some jewels on her head naked from the waist down she never liked to make like expose her little boobies because they were little so she never really freed them up 
Interesting. I feel her though. I get it. <laughs> I'm like most people, it's the opposite. They're like, let the let the girls fly, but well, cover up the bits, you know. Well, when you don't shave and it's just a, it's a. Oh, I guess you can't see anything when it's yeah. Yeah. So there's that. She started out wearing like a full body sock, but she quit with that shit later on. She was like, absolutely not. I'm done with this. Yeah, never, never start. Never wear it again. So I imagine like, you know, what we wear, body suits nowadays to suck it all in. She was trying to do the same thing and just gave up. <laughs> Shapewear. Yes, there it is. Again, with the assist. <laughs> <laughs> body suits. I mean, there are, yes, there are body suits, right? Like the ones that um snap in your crotch that are really yeah. uncomfortable yeah but i think you meant shapewear <laughs> yes i did in fact i think well a, a body sock i assume it was just like from you know a nylon from the toe to the to the neck yeah um, probably yeah so she brought this whole new style of dancing to paris she shocked the culture with her lack of free or lack of fear and free will attitude and really made an impact she would actually pose for provocative photos, which led her into mingling with wealthy, um, uh, let's say, politicians and war guys and all that fun stuff. She, um, she, she really convinced them that she was like this exotic woman. And no, when you were saying like she's from Japanese <laughs> descent and no Javanese J A V A. Oh. Yes. <laughs> but still with like being born into Indian dance and or Indonesian dance or yeah. all that yeah. stuff. And I'm like, she's probably super white and has blonde hair though. <laughs> no, she didn't have blonde hair. She definitely oh. she like definitely was passing for people who were again ill educated because they'd never been exposed. They only have hearsay. Um Oh yeah, that's true. You know, so Yeah. They everybody accepted that she was absolutely exotic and she was of Indonesian uh, descent. So I'm quoting French journalists wrote in a Paris newspaper that Madi Hara was so feline, extremely feminine, majestically tragic, 1000 curves and movements of her body trembling in a thousand rhythms. One journalist in Vienna wrote after seeing one of her performances that she was slender and tall with the flexible grace of a wild animal and with blue black hair and that her face makes a strange foreign impression. So media kind of just continued to mm -hmm. fuel that fire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She made a name for herself and she was dancing for packed theaters. She was the star for many, many moons. But by 1910, all sorts of copycats came out and her luster definitely started to fade. Critics actually started to call her out on not really being able to dance, saying that it was cheap exhibitionism. However, she would continue to schedule shows, uh, even though serious institutions started to regard her as a dancer who did not know how to dance. This was totally fine for her, though. Her career was waning, but she actually um, did start later than most dancers. Uh, so she was probably in her mid thirties at that, at that point, like 1910 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as her dancing career was waning her, um, Cartesian career was waxing. <laughs> Are we talking about moon phases now? No, 
I'm being an asshole. No, her, 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 you know, her, um, her being an escort, if you will. Oh, that's what you were trying to say. Well, yeah, no, it was it's her cur- escort clientele was picking up. Yes, she as a Cartesian, which is what they called an escort back then. Ah, started to ramp up, so she had clientele, and she was known for her sensuality and eroticism rather than her classic beauty. Air quotes. <laughs> so before the war- first war, you know, World War One is starting around the corner. <laughs> She was mingling with all of the high-ranking officers and politicians, as I said. But as the war approached, she began to be seen by some as a wanton and promiscuous woman and perhaps even a dangerous seductress. <laughs> wow. So she went from this free-spirited Right, so now they think she's a spy. Shit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well. <laughs> is she a spy? She probably started some shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, okay, WWI starts. She's mm-hmm. in Berlin, right? When she's mm. when the war starts, she's in Berlin. Don't mm. forget, she's from the Netherlands, and the Netherlands were of neutral ground mm-hmm. so as she tried to travel to france the germans confiscated everything from her her luggage her money fucking everything and sent her back to holland with literally just the clothes on her back oh, so she went ahead can and you con- imagine no i'd be furious furious so she went ahead and continued her little affair with the dutch baron that she was seeing at the time who was that i don't know didn't say but she had a dude (laughs) turns out she had a lot of dudes Mm -hmm. all over the place nobody was off the mark she was she let herself flirt with fucking whoever would flirt back no shame well she did start out marrying a man based on an ad from um, a newspaper so i can't say that she had high standards of what they looked like no. or how they acted from the beginning. No, she was just having a great time. Yeah. So again, remember, she's from a neutral country and she's allowed to cross borders freely because of that. So to avoid the battlefields, when she would travel from um, Paris to wherever she wanted to go, she would go through Spain and Britain and, um, you know, would should in theory be able to travel freely through everything so she was also involved with a very intense or she got into a very intense sexy time relationship with a russian guy called captain vadim maslov he was 23 years old and he was a pilot serving with the french he is a russian born french pilot who was probably 20 well, the, years younger than her. Well, the Russians and the French were allies at the time. Okay. So keep that in mind. So while she was having this affair with him, she actually did refer to him as the love of her life at one point. For some reason, she was traveling through Britain and they 
basically told the French, like, keep an eye on her. We don't trust her. She got detained at some point. In the summer of 1916, he and his crew, the 23-year-old Russian pilot, were flying and they got shot down. He got severely wounded. He lost sight in one of his eyes. She was so upset. She asked for permission to visit him in the hospital by the front. So she was asking to go to active areas of war so that she could see the love of her life. Since she was a neutral citizen, typically these you know, requests wouldn't be um, acknowledged or even allowed. However, they said, sure, you can come and see him. However, like the French version, they're like an external military agency called Dememe, the uh, D-E-U-X-I-E-M-E Bureau. However you say that. Doe? Sure. (laughs) Doeme. So this external agency got hold of her and said, hey, you can come see him. But you got to become a French spy. Why? Because before the war, she supposedly had performed for the eldest son of the Kaiser, the crown prince of Prussia, um, Kaiser Wilhelm II's son. He was a war general. They believed that she would be able to seduce him for secrets due to the propaganda around him becoming the next Kaiser. So again... Mm hmm. The German propaganda presented him as this great warrior. However, the French were very misled because my guy had absolutely no warrior in him. He was really a playboy <laughs> and a womanizer. He was known for partying and drinking. And your typical prince. Yeah. Next one. Next line and air. Yes. <laughs> And for spending his time with the far right-wing politicians with every intention to have his father declared insane. So he really didn't have any secrets that would be of value to them, but they didn't know that. So, recap. The French FBI or CIA or however you want to identify them said, yeah, you can come see your Russian pilot friend. If you go ahead and try to seduce this German prince to get war secrets from Germany. She was like, so they said, we'll give you a million francs to seduce him. Holy shit. (laughs) They didn't actually take any kind of data into consideration because before 1914, he had never commanded a unit larger than the regiment that he was you know, that he had commanded or that was going forward now. Um, he was now supposedly commanding both an army and an army group at the same time. So this really should have been a clue that in German decision-making, it was mostly nominal. He was just a puppet. <laughs> so she said, all right, I'll do it. And um i mean is her life on the line for this if she comes back with nothing if she doesn't have anything to give them are they gonna kill her no i don't think so so she actually 
the the guy that like offered her this was Captain George Lando. Keep that in mind. On November in November 1916, she was on the move again from Spain again, and she was arrested in London and interrogated by Sir Basil Thomas. And later on, in 1980, the there was a British radio station who actually read out loud the full transcript in a broadcast on a radio show of this interrogation. Um, but for all, t- you know, we don't know why. Nobody really knows the truth. Everybody essentially is unsure as whether as to whether or not she was lying on purpose to sound more intriguing or if it was real. So when they were asking her about her ties to the Germans and the French, she just was being a little boisterous. And so they, they kind of just let her go. But they told the French, keep an eye on her. Using her or not, keep an eye on her. Okay. She traveled to Madrid to meet up with German military attache Major Arnold Kale for a little sexy time. <laughs> and at that meeting, booty call. Mm. We don't know if she fumbled. We don't know if she was thinking she was being coy. Don't really know the, the tone here. But she had potentially divulged secrets in order to convince Major Callie to arrange a meeting with the Crown Prince. Apparently, she offered to share more secrets with Germany in exchange for money, but we're still really unsure what her angle was here. So, (sighs) (laughs) So, January 1917. Major Arnold Kelly from the German, you know, uh, military transmitted radio messages to Berlin using a channel and codes that it was very well known the French had decoded and knew about and were listening. So they use this radio channel mm-hmm. and we're, there's no confirmation as to whether or not it was on purpose. But during these transmissions, there were a lot of talks of Agent H-21 and a bio that matched Mata's. The French intercepted and reacted accordingly. One reason people think it was intentional on the Germans' behalf was due to her lack of intelligence sharing out most, mostly Paris gossip about sex lives of French politicians and generals. Because of that, Walter Nikolai has, is said to have exposed her to the French government. So she, again, may have been a bumbling idiot or maybe got caught, don't really know. Or maybe she just had no idea what was going on and she was just all willy-nilly with it right regardless in that uh regardless um before that radio interception when the french were asking her to participate in being a spy they did in fact divulge the names of six belgian agents to her 
one of which was supposedly a double agent between French and Germany. So the reason they think she was in fact giving them her secrets is because two weeks after she left Spain, her little, um, you know, sexy time meetup with the German military leader, the Germans executed the double agent. So this kind of proved out a little bit that she was opening her mouth because the, the one person that was the double agent got bought. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and and not always lying. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is that. Okay. So this at this point, the French government is war-torn. The French are exhausted they're participating in all sorts of different things going on all over the place and they're not really doing that fucking well so um while she was in her room at hotel elise palace in paris she was arrested by the french and she was tried on july 24th for spying for the germans and for being the cause i'm air quoting for more than 50,000 soldiers' death, although wow. it was never, really, never formally proved out with evidence. So at trial, she was painted as a fraud and that her stage character and name were all made up solely for personal gain. She admitted to accepting 20,000 francs from her former German lover. And the reason was because when she was in Berlin when the war started and they took all of her shit and her money... She figured that was just her recouping her losses, not being paid to be a spy for the French government. Mm. Clever workaround. Uh-huh. So despite the lack of evidence, they used all of her promiscuity and blamed her um, to, oh, I'm sorry, to blame her and potentially used her as a scapegoat, as many believed. For France's yeah. basically collapse. Yeah. That's it sounded a <laughs> it's reaching a bit, a bit grandiose. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's reaching for her. <laughs> um, her defense was not given any we at leeway at all. He was denied the ability to cross-examine the prosecution prosecutioner's witness. Um he wasn't able to call anybody up to interview. He was very strapped in what he could do. So she actually wrote to the Dutch ambassador in Paris, claiming her innocence quote, my international connections are due of my work as a dancer. Nothing else dot, 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 because I really did not spy. It is a, it is terrible that I cannot defend myself. Um, the worst part, though, was the love of her life. Remember the Prussian mm-hmm. who got pilot. shot, or sorry, the Russian pilot who got shot down. The whole fucking reason she's in this situation in the first place. Mm-hmm. He was very, very, very angry, and as a result of losing his eye in combat, he declined to testify for her. He said he did not care if he was con- she was convicted or not. And she apparently fainted when she learned that he said this and abandoned her. I couldn't imagine. However, Miss Ma'am, you were throwing Kitty all over the place at the same time. So did you really, really love him? We're not sure. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this whole thing started off with 
supposedly there being a deal that she needed to seduce somebody in order to see the pilot. So there, there may have been some loose parameters around uh, what is seduction and how long is this mission supposed to last? (laughs) Maybe she thinks like she is doing all of this just to get back to him and he's like, you're doing all of this because you don't want me anymore or whatever the case may be, because now he doesn't have an eye. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? I'm sad. I'm, I'm actually very surprised he didn't blame her for getting shot down. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm going to do some quotes here. So the persecutor used the fact that she was a woman as evidence of her guilt, literally used her gender as a fact in a case. Mm. He says, without scruples, accustomed to making use of men, she is a type of woman who was born to be a spy. Mm. The The way the defense painted her as this inability to really um, be anything more than uh, a spy and has all of these underlying reasons as to why she was doing this. They portrayed her as a femme fatale, the dangerous and seductive woman who used her sexuality to manipulate men effortless, effortlessly. Um, others actually did not see it that way. The others saw her as, um, in particular, the American historian Norman Palmer said that she was naive and easily duped, a victim of men rather, rather than a victimizer, which... Yes, I think I would agree with that more. Let's be honest. She was a victim of having to live in survival mode. Yeah, for her entire existence. Yeah. So from my perspective, she's doing what she can to just get to like the next day. Pretty much, yeah. Um. So yeah, she... There were news reports that claimed that she openly admitted to spying for Germany, but it just simply was not true. She absolutely declared her love for France, saying it was her second home. However, in in October, so after the trial, the documentation was sealed for 100 years. FYI. Damn. Yeah. 100 Um, years? mm -hmm. Why? Because their fucking defense had no legs to stand on because the prosecution... Yanked him out from it was an unfair trial. God damn it! So I thought they, you were. Just, I mean, I thought maybe just because it was connected to war crimes, potentially it could be it. I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't think they thought it was unfair at the time, and that's why they hit it. Right. Uh, okay. So. Um. Yes. She unfortunately was found guilty. The, uh, let's see, in October of 2001, there were documents released from the MI5 archives. Um, the Dutch group, the Matahari Foundation, actually asked the French government to exonerate her, arguing the files proved she was absolutely not guilty of the charges she was convicted of. A spokeswoman argued that at most she was a low-level spy who provided no secrets to either side, stating, quote, We believe 
that there were sufficient doubts concerning the dossier of information that was used to convict her to warrant reopening the case. Maybe she wasn't entirely innocent, but it seems clear she wasn't the master spy whose information sent thousands of soldiers to their death as had been claimed. Yeah, she's just spreading hot gas. Nothing like it's going to help you take over a country. <laughs> right. And, you know, I don't know whether or not they they reverse the conviction. However, sadly, on the 12th day of uh, February in 1917, just before dawn, she was 41 years old. She threw on all of the clothes that she had at that time in her prison cell which i think was like dark stockings um a longer dress an overcoat that had some fur on it and a large black hat that was you know um had a big giant brim on it she was walked out to where the firing squad would be firing at her she was unbound and without a blindfold because she refused to wear it, which she didn't refuse. She basically asked, do I have to wear this? Really? You'd want to see? You'd want to mm-hmm. be like, this is me coming towards my death. Okay. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, okay. So I'm going to read this excerpt from the Wikipedias. Can you put the mic by your mouth, though? Okay. <laughs> In 1934, a New Yorker article reported that at her execution, she wore a neat Amazonian tailored suit, specially made for the occasion, and a pair of new white gloves. Another account indicates she wore the same suit, low-cut blouse, and tricorn hat ensemble that she had been picked um, picked out by, which that had been picked out by her accusers for her to wear at trial. Um, and it was the only fully clean outfit she had in prison neither description however matches the photographic evidence wales recorded her death saying that after the volley of shots rang out quote slowly inertly she settled to her knees her head up always and without the slightest change of expression on her face for the fraction of a second it seemed she tottered there on her knees gazing directly at those who had taken her life then she fell backward bending at the waist with her legs doubled up beneath her Then a non-commissioned officer walked up to her body, pulled out his revolver, and shot her in the head to make sure she was dead. Mm. After her death, her body was not claimed. Mm. Okay. It almost brought me to tears to even read that, let alone say it out loud. It's such a sickening concept to me. According to um the according to the articles i read she was uh her body was then used for medical study her head was embalmed and was kept at the museum of anatomy in paris in 2000 archivists discovered that it had disappeared as early as potentially 1954 according to the curator her head her head's remains are missing. Huh. Records dated in 1918 show that the museum also did receive the rest of her body, but none of the remains could later be accounted for. 
I'm disgusted. Wow. Mata Hari's sealed trial and other related documents, a total of 1,275 pages, were declassified by the French army in 2017. So exactly 100 years after her execution. So you could, excuse me, Google them and go find them and read them yourself. That Shit. is a sad story of Mata Hari. They really know how to follow the rules when it's convenient for them, huh? For real. <laughs> oh, yep. Very much so. We're going to wait so, until a hundred years exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, sources: Wikipedia, Wikisource, Britannica, and History.com. Didn't want to forget those today, but that—that that is the story of Madihara, the potentially original femme fatale. Interesting. She was very, very awesome the idea of her being an exotic dancer working as a lethal double agent and using her powers of seduction to get secrets from her many lovers and the various it's every james bond movie yep (laughs) exactly it's a tale as old as time (laughs) (laughs) so um yes in fact there were several films immediately following her death the first one being in 1920 called straight up matahari mm. 27 a german production called matahari and 31 1931 a hollywood motion picture starring greta garbo called matahari then <laughs> <laughs> from then um there actually was a few there were a few you know other movies um in 39 there was a romantic comedy in 1964 is when the you know um the agent secret agent style shit came out and started so uh there was this like this movie called matahari agent h21 and then in 1967 the james bond spoof casino royale featured um joanne patette she actually played mata bon who is said to have been the daughter of james bond in matahari <laughs> i keep calling it in this story i know it's so funny <laughs> oh gosh so then um even into like the 1970s there was a chimpanzee on a shawl called lancelot link named mata haribi <laughs> she was a secret agent and actually had like a, a voiceover there was um, a couple british comedy things that happened a television series in the 80s uh there was a episode of fantasy island another matahari film in 1985 <laughs> I was say, I mean, the name is familiar. It's not like I've never heard this before. No. I didn't know the story, though. I didn't know it was a woman. There's that. Um, there was an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. She was portrayed there as a seductress. Why are you laughing? Because uh, I'm just, I'm reading this and it's laughing. I'm laughing because it's ridiculous. So, um... A, it was in 1993, an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. She is portrayed by 
Damaniziana Giordano uh, Meta encounters and seduces a 17-year-old Indiana Jones, taking his virginity. Oh, shit. Even Emma had something to say about that. I don't know if you heard her <laughs> did growl. Not, did not. But I love the fact that she was not only involved with James Bond, but she also took the fucking virginity of Indiana Jones. Mm. There were four more movies and short films from 2016-17 called Matahari, Matahari the short film, Matahari the naked spy, Matahari a 12-episode Russian-Portuguese TV series. This bitch was like, I will live on. Mm -hmm. So it's fine. You can kill me in the in the real world, but in the metaphysical, I will be here forever. Forever. She was also in, she inspired at least five stage musicals. There were two songs named after her. One was just. Can you imagine though, if she really was just kind of like ditzy and was like, I didn't know that I was giving secrets. Like, yes. I just feel like this bitch, like you said, was just dropping hot gas. She's like, oh, did you know who put their penis in this bitch lately? <laughs> <laughs> um, so in 2021, Azerbaijan, sorry, but fuck you as a country, participated with the song Matahari. Um, like there were just so many different things happening with her, like. A racehorse, a pinball machine, <laughs> an Israeli singer. She released a single. Um, let's see. There was a ballet act. She was in the fucking show Charmed in two thousand and four. If you guys recall that show, <laughs> she's really just spawned so much inspiration. Yep, she inspired an opera. <laughs> Wowee. Uh, in tw- 2020, a Dutch singer released a song titled Matahari. In 2022, she was referenced in an episode um, on the show Slow Horses from Apple TV. So, like, there's really... She kind of touched all sorts of different, I don't know, pop culture mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But I... Yeah, I genuinely don't feel as though she had any ill intent. Really, honestly, I think she was just, like you said, in survival mode. Yeah, I mean, if she did, I don't know, get secrets or spill secrets or whatever, it definitely was not enough to take down what they were accusing her of. No. It was like 50,000 soldiers or something that they were saying, right? Like, that she basically caused the french revolution (laughs) like come on yeah get it together people (laughs) and the fact the thing that bums me out the most though is her remains are just completely missing all of them head and body gone don't know where they are there's never gonna probably be any finding of them just it's a sad sad thing so i'm cool with everybody and referencing her in pop culture keeping it alive you know Mm -hmm. well i mean until her body could rest she was like i'm haunting you bitches well, I don't think it's ever going to rest. She's about to. I know. That's why I'm like, there's going to be references to her for forever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> forever and always till the dawn of time. She's literally put her thumbprint on the world. 
This is the truth. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much for that story. What, how did you pick her? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I think I, I think I Googled like dramatic females in history. <laughs> oh my God. I genuinely could not tell you how that, how it came to be. But I found it's her. so funny that you use females as your choice over women, mm-hmm. and I hate it. it. Comes up, well, it comes up with different stuff. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. use women, there's a different connotation there than female. So I'm looking for like whoever would say female is going to come up with some tea. Mm. In my opinion, women or woman is more of like a storytelling. Hmm. I don't know. That's how my brain filters words sometimes. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Because, like, when I, especially when a guy is like females, boo, boo, I'm like, ah, like it makes me twitch. I'm like, <laughs> ugh. Oh, that's really um, funny. is it at a girl time? I, yeah, I do believe so. Okay. At a girls are where we pat ourselves in the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. And, um, I was hella productive over the weekend and just, I I crossed a lot of things off the list. So basically from cooking and prepping on Wednesday to all the visiting on Thursday to, uh, we draw, we drew names for Christmas. I've already got my secret Santa person, their gift. I got my oil changed. I bought a new computer. Remarkable. And changed the uh, pop-up drain in my bathroom sink. So, and all my laundry's done. Fuck. (laughs) All right, go you. Oh, and I listed all these clothes up to, uh, to sell on Poshmark. Damn. And Facebook Marketplace. Damn, I feel like I should do the... Truly, every day I was like checking stuff off. I like but the, I, so I bought a new uh, MacBook Air. I'm not currently using it at the moment. I haven't set everything up yet. Okay. Like I was too busy doing other things mm-hmm. to figure out all my logins. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> And also, you have to be in the right mindset. Yep. You have to have the patience mm-hmm. to say, yes, it's me. And sure, or send me that code. <laughs> yes. And I'll wait for it for 35 minutes to not show up on my email. <laughs> and then I'll do it again. Um, send the code only to find it six days later in my fucking junk mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So not using the new computer right now, but uh, I did take advantage of a Black Friday sale because Apple was giving out a $200 Apple gift card with the purchase. Oh, dang. So that way I would have extra monies for like if I need a mouse or whatever. I have to also collect my accessories and see what I still have and don't have. So, Well, proud of you. Atta girl. (laughs) I've only been talking about it for like two years. (laughs) You did it. You finally did it. Uh, yep, sure did. Man, I'm excited for you. It's gonna be fun. And of course I bought like, you know, the the lesser expensive version. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna cross our fingers and hope it has everything I need. It, I'm it sure will. it does. Absolutely, it always does. They always do. 
That's the best part about Apple. Literally comes with everything you fucking need. So cool. I mean, the only difference is we're like storage or something. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll have to get an external drive if that's if I run out. <laughs> I don't need it. It's fine. <laughs> well, I had a girl, girl. Thank you. So um, kind of just pile on from last times at a girl i i did go back to the gym consistently the whole week oh good and, for you yes thank you i skipped all last week we, we jumped right in i'm fucking sore i'm walking like i'm crippled right now <laughs> <laughs> no offense if anybody that's crippled anyway um also we you know this the house had some light fixtures that were just not in any way shape or form my style my jam brought me no joy matter of fact every time I looked at them it was just kind of like a little less love for my home and we came across this fairly cheap it was only 70 bucks indoor light you know for the ceiling and it's got this cute little nightlight feature and so we bought it um we ended up buying three more and we installed those lights plus the dimmer switches for all of them this past week. Oh, wow. And Seth went all Clark Griswold on me and put all of the lights out in the front. And they're adorable. And he did a great job. And I'm really proud of him. So, yeah, lots of things accomplished over here as well. Thank you, Thanksgiving, for giving me the time. <laughs> so you have the same light fixture in multiple rooms now? okay then i love it only because i'll send you a picture it's got this like nightlight ring so it's this very dim led ring that when it's on just has a very soft illumination and personally i feel like it's either a spaceship or a very fancy hotel mm, okay it's got that look to it actually I okay i can send you a picture right now so you can give me your feedback in real time <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was it was fairly inexpensive it was only about 70 bucks um it was really they're really easy to like install so send you that and i'm kind of personally the cheap skate in me is hoping that reduces our electrical bill here and there because it's an mm. LED and not a big fat bulb you had to screw in there i sent you a picture into your phone Okay. Well, add a girl and thank you for the story today. Yeah. For show. Miss Emma here is um getting very antsy. I don't know what the deal is. Um pee pee. So yeah, she probably has to go outside. Oh, this is very cool. I see what you mean with the yeah. the outer ring, kind of a UFO vibe, but it does yeah. give me a modern hotel. Yeah, it's it's giving money whatever it's giving me joy right now so yeah and then you know the fact that i don't have to bop my head on all the fucking ceiling fixtures that with the fixtures that we had in here before that were just like unnecessarily low in every room that we had <laughs> i don't understand it <laughs> even at their highest chain they were still we were still bopping our heads and like guy that lived here before us was like five foot max this makes sense but it's not working here so <laughs> funny <laughs> well if you liked what you heard today please rate review subscribe um it really helps us out if you push all those buttons and tell people about us you can also request a hoe of history 
by emailing us at homeancepodcast at gmail.com or DMing us at homeance underscore chronicles. We also have a closed group that um, is a bit wild, the Homeance Chronicles, a judgment-free zone that's on Facebook. And we have Homeance merch on my Etsy shop, nicolebonneville.etsy.com. Wee! Homeance out. <laughs>